This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I've had something stirring up on the inside of me since about January. And if you've had something in the crock pot for nine months, it's it's ready to go. OK, they probably should have been served a long time ago. But but I've got something the Lord's been speaking to me about that I want to take probably this week and maybe another week or two to get the point across to you, uh, because God has dealt with me on it. God has convicted me and dealt with me. And, and I really, really believe that the Lord is going to say something to you today. And so we're going to be talking about disciples, about disciples. You're like, well, that doesn't sound too interesting. How many disciples do I have in the house today? Sadly, I wish that were true, but not everybody that just said amen is a disciple. And I'm, I'm not being mean. I'm not being mean, but we're going to get hardcore. OK, we're I mean, we're, we're going to get down to the nitty gritty for a little bit today. And, and I want you to just please don't be offended, but examine your life and listen to what the word of God has to say, because the truth is most people that I know that are a follower of Jesus they, they love the Lord. They're going to heaven. No doubt about it. They have received Jesus into their heart, but that does not make them a disciple of Jesus. A lot of people have converted to Christianity, but they never became a disciple. A lot of people follow Jesus. They love Jesus. They, they're all, they, you know, they're inspired by Jesus. They get a lot of inspiration out of what Jesus has to say, but that does not make you a disciple of Jesus. That's a whole other category. Now, I believe that you are missing out entirely if you never become a disciple. But you but 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 the truth is, you don't have to be one to go to heaven. OK, a lot of people believed and followed Jesus and and supported his ministry and all that. And they were good people, but they never experienced the things that Peter, Andrew James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, all these guys, they never experienced the things that these 12 experienced. And they missed out big time. And sadly, I know a lot of people that they're good people. The, the Lord loves them. They love the Lord, but they are so far on missing out on what God really had intended for their life. And they're like, well, God, you said you had good plans. Why is none of this happening? Well, he does have good plans, but you chose yours instead. And so that's, you know, that, that that's your thing. You know, you, you totally have that right. But don't sit there and shake your fist at the heavens when the, the blessings aren't raining down like you thought they would because you chose your own way. You chose to bless your own life. You chose to do things your way, and that's fine. You can totally do that, but you are going to miss out on the fullness of what God has for you. And so our goal should be to make disciples. If you need an outline for the message, raise your hand. And one of these just handsome ushers, look at these guys. Look at these guys, man. Come on. Look at them. Look at them. Take a look. Go ahead. Take a look. Uh, but anyway, they're going to give you an outline there to follow along with. And I want to read a verse to you here in Matthew chapter 28. Because this is the foundation for what we're saying. Matthew 28. Amen. Jose, this will be down towards the end of that PowerPoint. Matthew 28. And we're going to look at verses 18 and 19. This is what I want to establish before we get into this. And so a lot of you are familiar with the Great Commission. Who's ever heard the Great Commission? 
Well, if you're like me, you probably read it the wrong way many times. Matthew 28, verse, uh, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make converts of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, that's not what it just said. <laughs> he said, go and make disciples of all nations. We go out and we just try to convert people. Say this prayer right here. Just repeat after me. I believe in your son, Jesus. Say it. Okay. And, and, and I believe that he died. And we get. Okay. Hallelujah. They said the prayer. Let's go to lunch. Popeye's has that two for one deal today. Let's go now. We made another convert. That's 300 this year. But then where are they? You never see them again. Or maybe one or two stick around. And we're going to say, man, we've seen 500 people give their lives to the Lord at High Desert Word Center this year. Or whatever church you go to. And that's great, but where in the world are they? Well, we may have converted them. We may have got them to agree to say a prayer. But we did not make disciples of all nations. And we're so content with just... People say in a prayer, we're so content with just converting people and hallelujah, they said it. Amen. Let's go. Hallelujah. And that is not what Jesus said to do. Because to be a disciple, to make a disciple out of somebody, that takes some time, man. That's a process that a whole lot of us, we just don't want to put the time into it. We're too lazy. We've got other things going on that are more important than becoming a disciple of Jesus. There was a lot of people that came and heard Jesus preach. There's a lot of people that came and, and heard the Sermon on the Mount. They saw the man lowered down through the roof on that mat. There's a lot of people that were there when Zacchaeus climbed up in that tree. And the Lord forgave his sins and the Lord had dinner with him. There's a lot of people and they, 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 they were, yeah, Jesus, we're down with that. We, we got, we are down with what you're saying. But not all of them became disciples because to be a disciple, you give up some stuff. You don't do everything you used to do. You give up some things. You sacrifice. There is a lot to being a disciple, but the rewards far outweigh the sacrifice, in, in, in my opinion. There, you give up some stuff. There's things that maybe your friends do that you're not. If you're a disciple, you don't go do that anymore. You you laid that down. That's not for you anymore. And, and maybe other people are seeking and chasing things. That, and you don't even know what's going on right now in the in popular culture in the news. But who cares? Because I know what's going on when I lay hands on the sick and they recover. That's better than knowing what Lady Gaga's doing this week. Come on. That's better. You know, come on. Seriously, I would rather know what's going on in the word of God than what. But listen to somebody that's not a disciple. They don't really care. They're like, yes, amen. It's the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I needed that inspiration today. Now I'm ready to go. Like, okay, that's that's good. He is your shepherd. You shall not want. Amen. But there's more to it than that. What if you could go to a whole deeper level and you could actually be used by Jesus Christ himself to change somebody else's life? So I want to discuss this morning the difference between disciples and converts. The difference between a disciple and a convert. Now, I'll say up front, a disciple is not a perfect person. That doesn't mean you're perfect because nobody's perfect. And Jesus picked Twelve guys to be, you know, his his twelve disciples, his, his apostles. We do know that there were more disciples than that, but we're familiar with the twelve. Because obviously in Luke chapter 10, he had the 70 people that he sent out. So there were more than twelve disciples. But 
for all practical purposes, we mainly talk about these 12. They were not perfect men. They were rough. They came from sinful backgrounds. Uh, I mean, they, they were they were not necessarily just little angels that Jesus picked. But he picked them because he saw their hearts. And you may be sitting here thinking, well, I could never be a disciple. You could if you wanted to, because your past doesn't matter when it comes to this. What matters is, are you willing to sacrifice? Do you have a heart for Jesus? And a disciple is not a perfect person, but it is a passionate person and a very sincere person that says, Lord, I know I I blew it but I just want to be used by you. Lord, forgive me. Give me another chance. And so that could be you today. But there's no doubt about it. Not every person in this room is a disciple. I I mean, I who knows how many in this room are a disciple right now? Uh, A true disciple. And we're not judging. We're not being mean. But I had to take a cold, hard look in the mirror at myself and say, I don't know, man. Are you? I really don't know. But let's look at what a disciple is, because and my my belief is that the majority of people that profess Christianity, they're good, nice people that do believe and love the Lord. They're not disciples. They're converts. They're followers of Jesus. But what would happen if we had the majority of the body to be true disciples? Tell you what, man, we'd probably already be in heaven right now because we would have reached the ends of the earth with the gospel. We probably we could be up. Can you imagine we could be up in heaven right now and just forget this whole mess? I can't wait for that day, man. I want to get to heaven now. I don't want to wait, but we got to wait. So we need disciples because disciples don't just sit there and not do anything. They go preach the gospel. They send missionaries to the ends of the earth because it's in their heart. And so I'm going to try to cover a lot of ground in about 30 minutes time. Please stick with me. Put on your seatbelt. You need a buckle. If some of you that are, you fall out your chair sometime, put your helmet on. You're going to need it. We are going to go fast and we're going to cover a lot because today we've got four points. Four. That's right. And I don't want to have to split this in half and do the rest tonight. I really want to cover it today. And so let's look at the differences between a disciple and a convert. Number one, to a disciple, Jesus is more important than money. All right. Now, honestly, most of the Christians I know in the United States do not love Jesus more than their money or their entertainment. I'm just being for real. I'm being honest. And you get and everybody, everybody here, every Christian that I could ever go to, they would say, amen. Yes, brother. Amen. Jesus is more important than mammon. And they'll say that everybody, everybody that you ask would say that. But actions speak louder than words do. And I'm telling you, if you can't even if you can't even complete the elementary level Christianity again, if this hurts, I'm sorry, we're not here to hurt you. We'll make you feel good. Some other service. But today we're just getting real and getting raw. If you can't even obey the basic fundamental Christian truth about tithing, you're not a disciple. Why? Because the church wants my money. Tithing's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. Jesus said, where your treasure is, where your money is, there will your heart be also. And so tithing's not about the money. Keep your keep your money, man, if that's what it's about to you. I don't give and I don't I don't give of my resources to the Lord because I have extra money this month or or because I because it's a money it's not about money to me. It's about saying, Jesus, 
you can have all of me. You can even have have access to my money. You want it all? Take it all. I don't care. But you ask for 10 percent. I'll give you 10 percent. It's literally the least I could do. You healed me of cancer. You saved my marriage. You restored my children. And you're asking for 10 percent. You kidding me? That's pretty much about the least I could do. It is zero issue. If you're a disciple, to be a tither, that's, that is not even, you don't even think about it, you just do it. If you're a disciple. Now again, if this hits close to home or this makes you feel bad, that's fine, man. The Lord's kicked my butt for nine months. It's okay. It gets better. Alright? And so, uh, but most Christians, just think about this, maybe say, you've made a commitment to do something for the Lord that day, whether it be at church, or maybe you said, Lord, this Saturday, I'm gonna set aside some time for prayer and studying the word. And he said, Lord, I've, I've worked the last 14 days or, or whatever the case is. But this this particular day is going to be your day, whether that means you're going to church, serving in the nursery or whether you're just spending time with God at home. But then, oh, wait, whoa, dude, they just called in for overtime at work. Time and a half. Yeah. Wait a minute. You just told God he could have that time. Tell me. Is time and a half more important than God? Well, if you're a disciple, that's a no-brainer. No, you could be paying me quadruple time, but I told Jesus that Saturday morning was going to be his this week because I haven't had the right amount of time with him this week. Take your money. I don't want it. I'm going to stay home, and I'm going to pray all by myself and read my Bible, me and Jesus. I pr- How rude would it be if you promised your wife, honey, this Friday night is our date night. I'm telling you what, man. Nobody else matters. It's just me and you because I love you that much. And then someone calls up. Hey, man, I've got a great opportunity down here at, you know, they're having two for one night down at Sizzler. You've got to get down here now. All the guys are going to be there. The game's going to be on. Honey, I love you so much, but this is this is so important over here. I, I really need this right now. I know where that's going. <laughs> that's not going to end well. That is a bad idea. How could you say that you love her that much and she's everything to you, but as soon as until a better opportunity comes and then, hey, I love you, but deuces, man, there's we got to get down here. You're a jerk, man. And not only on top of that, you're you're pretty stupid because, oh, my gosh. Amen. Ladies, ladies, come on. So what if you promise Jesus some of your time, but then a monetary opportunity becomes available are you a disciple or not? A disciple will say, I don't need that. I, I need Jesus more than I need that. But somebody that's just converted to Christianity, they'll see that as, oh, hey, cool. The Lord's bringing down another blessing. I'll just go take that. You'll, you're, you're, you won't get it. And so maybe some of you are thinking right now, well, pff, that's a no-brainer, man. Overtime? Yeah, absolutely. That's fine. You have that opportunity. That is not going to send you to hell. But just keep in mind, you're not a disciple if that's more important to you than Jesus. Proverbs 10.22. We've got, I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna kind of move fast. Proverbs 10.22 because I understand we all need money. I understand we all need currency to deal in this life. Absolutely. And Jesus, he, he wants you to have it. And he'll provide a way for you to get it. He wants to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. But I'd rather have the blessing of God than money. Any day. Proverbs 10.22. It says this. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. Wait a minute. So if I seek the blesser instead of just the blessings, I can have both. 
but not be sad and have regrets in the end? Yeah, he'll get you that money. He'll get you what you need if you're seeking him. But there's not going to be any sorrow with it. Your kids aren't going to look back 15 years from now and say, man, my dad worked 120 hours a week. We had all the money we needed, but I never had a dad. There's a lot of sorrow that goes with something like that. And God would have said, man, if you just would have brought it to me, I would have got you the money you needed. But now you've got a whole bunch of money. But you got kids that don't like you. you got kids that they, they don't even know who you are. That's a lot of sorrow right there. Something to think about if you want to be a disciple. And so I think about this. You know, I, I joke with my ball players in here. My brother-in-law, okay, in Indiana, basketball, there's, if you're a Christian, there's Jesus. Hopefully your family, and then there's basketball. And then your job. and everything. But basketball is king, just like football in Texas. I mean, people. And so my brother-in-law, he had a basketball tournament he had signed up for. A blizzard came, an ice storm, horrific conditions. He fell and broke his ankle. But he was not going to let that stop him from playing in a basketball tournament and an ice storm. He gets in his car, drives himself through the blizzard and ice storm with a broken ankle and a stick shift to the basketball tournament and still plays. Like, that's commitment. You really love what you're doing there, if you're willing. And, and, and I'm like, man, what if people are that desperate to get to church? We have a little wind blowing bar, so eh, it's windy out tonight. I don't think the kids can make it. I know, and I, know, I, I joke with my friend. None of, our, none of the softball guys like that are here today. But I know some of the softball players, and we, not, we all know them. I've seen some of these guys, and they're members of this church, but obviously they aren't here this morning. But they could be out there at one of these softball games, have two broken legs, an eye gouged out, and one hand tied behind their back, and they would crawl to home plate oh, to get up there and swing a bat at a slow-pitch softball. For real, am I right? That is true. I know some of these guys that, I mean, they could be, they would roll in there if they were in a complete coma just to play softball. <laughs> hey, man, we missed you at the men's meeting. Yeah, I came down with the sniffles and I didn't want to come. <laughs> and we, I haven't been to church in a month because I don't know, man, I've just, I've had this, this head cold. It won't go away. But you can go out there on your deathbed for a softball. And then you expect, I just don't know why the blessings aren't coming down. I mean, the word promised me this, this, and this. That's for disciples, man. That's not for half-baked wannabes. That's for disciples. Come on. And so I'm just talking to you for a minute this morning that, listen, if you, I, I've seen burly, strong, tall men skip church over the sniffles, but they'll drive through an ice storm to play basketball. And then if I were to say, how many disciples in the house today? They, Oh, yes, me, right? Just because, you know, they don't want it to be outdone. They're not a disciple. They're barely on the convert level. But you are not a disciple. And we're not making fun, but just get real with you. Don't fool yourself, man. You're not one of them. You're not one of them. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven, but you are not a disciple. If all that's because to a disciple, Jesus is more important than money. He's more important than entertainment. He's more important than my hobbies. He doesn't say you can't have those things. He just says, seek me first. 
I just want to be more important than that stuff. And everybody will say that he is, but the truth of the matter is that he is not more important than that to everybody that claims the title of Christian. Here's a good test for yourself. Would you take your volunteer position at church or, when, you know, whatever Christian thing you volunteered to, maybe the pregnancy center, whatever it is, I don't know. But would you take your volunteer position to Jesus more seriously if you were getting paid for it? Because I know a lot of people, oh, come on, they're not even paying us for this. We're here doing this out of the goodness of our heart. This is a volunteer. They're not even paying me. Come on. Yeah. So, okay, if we paid $100 an hour, would, would, how many people would volunteer for the nursery? Everybody. That's fine, but you're not a disciple. Because a disciple, they would just serve Jesus for nothing. And there's many, many great disciples and people in this church and churches all over the world that would do that. But to a lot of people, they give a half-hearted effort to something they committed to for Jesus. But they don't do that at their job. They get there early. They want, they want, to, they want to shine. They want to outdo everybody else. Give it 150% so they can get a raise. Because, you know, hey, they're, they're gonna, they're, we're up for raises, man. We're up for a promotion. And, I mean, we're going to get an extra 50 cents an hour if we put in an extra 500% harder on our work. Excuse me? Wow. Good for you. But Jesus babies up there, because those aren't, I mean, there are babies. We love them. But those are the Lord. That's God's little babies up there. And you're going to halfway do it because they're not even paying me. They should be happy I'm even here on a Saturday. They should be happy I woke up early on a Sunday morning to even be here. They're not even paying me for this. You know what? Get out. We don't need you. Get that attitude away from our babies. Get that attitude away from our children. You're going to pollute them with your foul thinking. We need disciples in every area. But a disciple, a disciple doesn't act like that. Luke chapter 14, I am, I am moving quickly, so if you're not super quick, you can look at the screen, but try to get there. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 27, because you may be thinking, well, that just... How, how could you sit here and tell people that they're not a disciple? How could you be that? How could you be that blunt and that rude, dude? What I'm getting ready to show you, what Jesus said, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around it to this day. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. I'm going to read this in the Living Bible. Verse 25, it says, "Great crowds were following him. He turned around and addressed them as follows: Anyone who wants to be my follower must love me far more." Then he does his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers or sisters. Yes, more than his own life. Otherwise, he cannot be my disciple. You're not even in the running for it. And no one can be my disciple who does not carry his own cross and follow me. Now, the Living Bible, it phrases this as anyone who wants to be my father must love me far more than he does. The King James and the New Living Translation, they say, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Jesus said, if, if you don't hate your father, mother, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> wait, that's confusing because you tell me not to hate. But Jesus said, if you don't, if, I mean, you, by comparison to your love for me, you've got to hate everything. You've got to hate your own life and lay it down. If you can even possibly be my disciple. I'm like, that, I mean, that's confusing to me. What, what does that even mean? When you break it down, and what Jesus is saying is, by comparison, 
He's not saying to literally you need to hate these people. What he's saying is this. Your love and your passion and your desire for him should be so intense and so incredible that it makes your love for anything else just seem menacing. That's basically hatred for how much I love this. Because think about it this way. There's some things like, man, I really, I like this. I, I love this food right here. But then somebody brings my even more favorite food out. And I'm like, oh, man, forget that. I basically hate that now because I've got that. That's what he's saying. Like, that's, yeah, love all those people, love all those things. They're great. But if you don't love Jesus a thousand times more than that, you're not in the running. You're not qualified to be a disciple. And that is hardcore to imagine that I would love somebody that much more than my wife and my children. But Jesus said, hey, you know, you don't have to do this. I'm not telling you have to be a disciple. But if you want to be one, it's it's not for the faint of heart. It's it's the real deal. And so a lot of people, though, I mean, they'd they'd rather have a payday. They'd rather have money and entertainment. They'd rather buy, you know, a a second or third house and just go go have fun all this. And that's fine. You you reserve that right to do that. But just don't be shocked when you aren't walking in all the blessings and miracles and the fullness of God's power that you, you do reserve that right. You just you disqualify yourself from being a disciple if those things are more important. Number two is this. And we, we talked about this Wednesday night. Let me tell you this. We are doing a Wednesday night series called Call of Duty, Spiritual Warfare. And I'm I'm getting a lot of feedback off of this series. If you don't come on Wednesday nights, or maybe you did, but you stopped, I think you should come back and do it again, because we're getting a lot of feedback on this series. I'm People all, the, all over the country and the world listening to the podcast on this, and so I'm just throwing it out there. I think you should come and hear this on Wednesday nights. But we discussed this topic on Wednesday night, but I was, I was done with my sermon, and the Lord brought this to me, because this is a difference between a convert and a disciple. Converts tolerate sin. Disciples hate sin. They don't hate people. There's not a person in this world that I hate. And I can say that. There is literally not one person walking God's green earth that I could say that I hate. Not one that I hate. But I sure do hate seeing families split up because dad couldn't be faithful to mom. I sure do hate sin. I hate seeing, I hate seeing the, 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 the destruction that sin causes. But, but somebody that's just a convert, they're like, hey, it's their business. I mean, you know, this, to each his own. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. That, that's not what a disciple says. They're like, we need to go fix this situation, man. They're going to ruin those kids' lives if they keep acting like that. But a convert, they're like, I just mind my own business, whatever. That's, that's hey, there's too many converts, not enough disciples. A disciple hates sin. And until you hate sin, you're not, and you're like, that sounds so hardcore. This, I'm telling you, man, discipleship is hardcore. But sin is the exact opposite of what God is, and I hate it. Because sin kills people, kills lives, relationships, it messes people up, and especially sexual sin. I'm not, well, I'm not gonna dive into that today, though we could. But sexual sin is pretty much the worst of them all. Because not all sins are equal. But uh, I, I, I read a story about a college football coach from uh, Georgia Southern College. His name was Irk Russell. He paid a couple of, uh, of rednecks to bust into one of his routine team meetings. 
and throw an angry six-foot-long rattlesnake on the table in front of the whole football team. And, there, and I mean, we got big boys like Shaheem size back there just running and screaming and crying like, like little babies. And, and he's like, what's the problem? What's wrong? I think you kill us, man. You're crazy. And they're like, what's the problem? You guys, you let, you let cocaine come right into those parties you guys are going at. And you just sit there around it and do nothing at all. But it'll kill you just the same. What's the difference? Well, a lot of us, we just, we tolerate it. We're like, yeah, well, we let it be around us. We invite it into our homes on, by the things that we watch. Some of your children are seeing adultery, fornication, drunkenness. I, I mean, and I saw, I know I sound like the old school mountaineer pastor right now, and I'm fine with that, man. I'll be old school. I'm going to party like it's 1899 right now because I'm telling you what, I don't need my kids seeing two people fornicating on TV. And me not doing nothing about it. And then me saying, come on, kids, we're disciples. Let's go to church this morning. Do you memorize your memory verse? Come on. They see right through that, man. They see right through that. That is a load right there. That is, you are not a disciple. If you're, you're just inviting it in. Jeez, I wonder why the kids are so, I wonder why, you know, uh, why, why they're off doing this and that. They, they see you watching it every day. You tolerate sin. You may not be doing it yourselves. But we are tolerating it, and a disciple hates sin. And yeah, I sound like I'm 85 years old right now, but I am fine with that. I shared a quote on Wednesday night from a man named Leonard Ravenhill. He died in 1994, but he was a hardcore disciple. He said, the world has lost the power to blush over its sin, but the church has lost her power to weep over it. The world has lost the power to blush over us. They're not ashamed anymore. They don't care. They'll come right in here to the altar of this church and sin. I've had people cuss me out in this building. Even when I was a kid in the, in the 90s, that wasn't that long ago. I'm a little punk millennial. But let me tell you, even when I was younger, back in the 90s, people wouldn't have done that. They, they at least had that much respect. At least I thought where I was at. I mean, I've had... I'm telling you what, man, the world has lost its ability to blush over its sin. They don't care anymore. And if you disagree, you're the wrong one. Man, I really don't think you should be robbing that lady right now. Don't judge me. Hey, my bad. I I thought maybe you should give give her her purse back or something. That's not yours. You hater, you bigot, you're uneducated, you. And I, I, you know, I keep a list of the names that I've been called. But anyway, uh, uneducated, bigot, intolerant, low-down scoundrel. Uh, anyway, but all these names, just because I don't think that you should steal from people, just because I don't think that you should, uh, you know, boys should be smooching each other, or, you know, little boys should be putting on dresses, because of that I'm uneducated and intolerant. And I say, yes, yes I am. Oh yeah, and that's the least of it. I'm a lot worse than intolerant about those things. I hate those things because they screw people up and send them to hell. Yeah. Intolerant is the mild version of saying how I feel about those things. But, um, my goodness, we're having a good time so far, aren't we? John the Baptist, he was a hardcore dude. John the Baptist was hardcore. He was Jesus' cousin. And they were close because not everybody understood Jesus like John did. But John ended up getting his head cut off at a party one night and served on a, on a silver platter in front of everybody. And how did that happen? Well, there was this king named Herod, right? And Herod, uh, he, he, 
he respected John, we're told in Mark chapter 6. He respected John because John really did live the life that he spoke about. But Herod had this little thing where he stole his brother Philip's wife. And now they were married. And John told them, listen, that's wrong. That's sin. That is not right that you did that. And so it made, you know, you know, it made Herod's wife really mad. And so one night at a party, Herod's daughter, you know, does a dance and does a performance. And daddy is so proud of his little girl. He says, I'll give you whatever you want. And he says it in front of all these people. Well, mama tells daughter, tell him that you want John's head cut off and served on a silver tray in front of this whole party. And so Herod at that point is like, I can't go back on my word in front of everybody. He gives the order. They go and yank John out of prison cut his head off, and serve it in front of everybody. But how did that happen? Well, John being the passionate, passionate, true, fearing God man that he was, he spoke up against a terrible evil. He, he hated sin. He could have just flown under the radar and said, I don't, I don't think I want to go there. I may, people may call me names. I don't think, I don't, I'm not prepared for that right now, man. He spoke up. He said, that's messed up, dude. That was your brother's wife. Have you no shame? You're sick. And yeah, he ended up getting killed for it. John did not just sit there and tolerate evil going on all around him. He spoke up and said something about it. And so there's some great verses here. Romans chapter 6. I'm going to skip down to verse 23. Romans 6 verse 23. And well, why do we hate sin? And again, if you if you if you're not a real quick flipper there, just write it down or, or pay attention to the screen. But why do we hate sin? Well, for the wages of sin is death. There's a payment for sin has a payday. And the payment is death for the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I don't like to see death come into people's lives, but that's the payment for sin. I mean, that's what happens when it goes on. And so I could either hurt someone's feelings right now and tell them that what they're doing is wrong according to God's holy word, not by my standard, by God's standard. I don't come up to people and and say, hey, I say you're doing wrong. Get it together. I don't. What's what's my opinion count for anything? But if I see a fellow Christian doing something, the word says is completely wrong. First Corinthians five says I have an obligation The actual wording it says is to judge them. It says you do have an obligation to judge somebody that says they're a Christian and is committing a sin like this, especially a sexual sin. It says you've got an obligation to do that. It's your duty. Now, that's not a popular teaching in this day and age, but disciples aren't very popular people anymore. But the truth is, is is that that's what it says. And so I don't I don't I'm never going to go up to someone and say, I say that you are. What are you doing? But I could come up to a fellow believer and say, hey, man, the word of God says right here that, you know, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Don't let foul or abusive language come out of your mouth. Ephesians 4. Why are you cussing everybody out, man? What's up with that? The word says not to do that. Does that make me a judgmental, mean, hated, uh, uneducated, intolerant bigot? No, that just makes me a disciple that is concerned that you're going to send yourself down below. And I would like to stop that. For the wages of sin is death. But anyway, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's between you and God. Proverbs 8.13. Proverbs 8.13. I liked the old school way of doing things. 
Because we can operate, you know, iPhones and iPads and send people all over the moon and all this stuff now. But we don't know how to stay married for more than three years. We can break the speed of sound, but we don't know how to raise a kid. We know all about chemistry and science, but we can't keep our pants on. Come on. (laughs) Praise God. God's good. Bless his holy name. But seriously, uh, I liked it when they preached on stuff like this. I liked it back. I mean, I, I like listening to the old sermons where they said, man, quit doing that. What, what are you doing that for? That's, that's crazy. You're going to hurt somebody. You're going to hurt yourself. Put that down. And nobody cried and, you know, had meltdowns. They just, you're right, man. I shouldn't be doing that. I, I wish it was like that still because we'd have more disciples. Proverbs 8.13 says, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. So there you go. I'm not making it up. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. And again, a much deeper teaching is the fear of the Lord. Uh, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, it doesn't mean you're afraid and scared that God's going to bop you. What it means is, is that you have a reverence and a respect for God that's like no one else. You reverence God. And uh, listen, a disciple respects the Lord. He reverences God. And so if you don't hate evil... You can't be a disciple. And, you know, maybe you're not willing to take that step. That's fine. Nobody is forcing you to be a disciple, but it would be for your benefit. And so one other quote I want to want to give is this because I got to keep it moving. Wrong is wrong, even if everyone is doing it. And right is right, even if you're the only one doing it. Wrong is wrong, even if everyone is doing it. And right is right, even if you're the only one doing it. And so sometimes as a disciple... You're the only one doing it. You're the only one picking that guy that just, you know, got beat up off the ground. You're the only one out there loving the unlovely. But praise God, that's fine. I'll stand alone on that and be a disciple rather than join the crowd and and head their way. All right. Number three is this. Disciples produce more disciples. Disciples, they reproduce themselves. Disciples produce more disciples. Why would they do that? Well, Matthew 28, verse 18, we just read it. Matthew 28, 18. Disciples produce more disciples. Because if you really are that, I mean, if you've ever really been in love with someone, you just, you talk about that person to everyone. Much to their annoyance. They don't want, we don't want to hear about your boyfriend anymore. Please, shut up. We don't want to hear about that, you know, that lady. I mean, keep, but anyway, you love her, so go ahead. But, but when you really love someone, you go and talk about it. You're like on Elf. I'm in love. I'm in love. And I don't care who knows about it. Remember Will Ferrell? But you talk about, you, you know, you, you tell everybody. And the truth is a disciple, they love Jesus so much, they just on talking about it. They don't even realize they're doing it anymore. That's why a disciple, they just say things like, oh, praise God, man. Hallelujah. I'm getting hungry. Oh, man, God is good. I hit my thumb earlier with a hammer. Woo, that hurt. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Freak, what are you talking about, you weirdo? What, what, God, what are you doing? Because it's just in your heart, man. When you're a disciple, you talk about the Lord all the time. And so, naturally, you lead people to Jesus. You don't have to come up, okay, man, if I really put my mind to it, I could get somebody to repeat that prayer after me. If I really try my hardest, no, you just go out and live your life and, 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 and love people. And, and, and you're just you're being a disciple. And then, hey, you make more disciples. You don't even have to sit there and think about it all night. 
Matthew 28, 18 and 19, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. There it is right there. Why do disciples produce more disciples? Because Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations. And if you're a disciple, you take the word literally. Oh, OK, it says right here to go and make disciples. Okay, we better go make disciples. It's just what you do because you obey the word of God. Acts chapter two. Check this out. Acts chapter two. Because we're going to look at a quick story here of the early church, the first Christian church. Acts chapter two. And uh, if you're familiar with uh, with what's going on here, Peter gets up and he preaches and three thousand people say the prayer and get saved that day. 3,000 people are converted. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. I would call that a successful outing. I would never, I've never had 3,000 people saved in one sermon. I mean, I would love those numbers. That's, that's, that's off the charts. That's incredible right there. Right there. And so most of us, we'd say, all right, man, 3,000 said the prayer. Let's get down to lunch. Los Domingos, that food's not eating itself. Let's go. And we'd leave them there. Because that's what the American church does. We quit discipling people. Can you imagine you had a baby and you're just like, okay, there you go. If he, if he's really, if he really got it, he'll feed himself. We'll catch up to you in a few years. You got it. Whoa, you were messed up. But that's what we do to baby Christians. We lead them in the prayer. We get them born again. And then we leave them to their own to feed themselves, defend themselves, teach themselves, educate themselves. We just leave them on their own. And then we wonder why they don't stick with it. They die off. They weren't discipled. They were converted. They were born again. But that's the exact same thing as having a baby and saying, well, if he really got it, he'll he'll feed him. He'll figure it out if he really wants it. If he really gets that desperate. He'll teach himself. He will. He'll change his diaper. He'll get it. No, he won't. He has no idea how to do it. And then we wonder why churches all across this nation and this world have people falling off left and right because we quit discipling because we would rather watch football. We'd rather do whatever it is we're doing because that's more important than making disciples of all nations, let alone being one ourselves. And so get this. 3,000 people got saved that day. But, but, but what happens after that? Verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What? And a fellowship. So part of being a disciple is you, you fellowship. You hang out, man. You get to have a good time with your brothers and sisters. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And so the modern church, it all starts right here out of the book of Acts. But what if... Peter had not discipled these people. What if he did like we do and just celebrated the 3000 people said a prayer and repeated after him, but they didn't, you know, but don't come up. Just stay, stay in your seat. We don't want to embarrass you. Stay right there. Raise your hand with nobody looking around. If that's you, I see that hand. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. I ever did that. I used to do that. And I, I apologize publicly that I was that weak to not want to embarrass you. If you want Jesus, you should get out of your seat and come up and receive him. Because with a friendly environment like this, if you can't acknowledge him and, and take a stand for him, when you're surrounded by these lovely people, 
What are you going to do out there in the real world? There's not a chance in the world you'll acknowledge him. There's no way in this world that you're going to stand up for him if you won't stand up for him in a church. And so Peter discipled these people and thank God that he did. Thank God that Peter took the time and the believers, the church, to make disciples out of them because disciples produce more disciples. And so in here, if maybe you're a mature Christian, you've been in in the Lord for a long time. If you are not currently mentoring, for lack of a better word, but really the word I want to use is disciple. If you are not discipling somebody else, I question if you're a disciple. Because a disciple is not content to not be raising up somebody else in the Lord. A disciple will always find a weaker Christian Maybe it's a young guy, maybe it's a teen, maybe it's whatever. They'll find somebody weaker that doesn't know as much, and a disciple will always start mentoring and discipling somebody else to teach them the ways of God. Somebody that's a convert, they don't care. Converts don't disciple other people. They don't lay down their time. Listen, I I was at church, I I, I go every single Sunday. I'm not going to carve another two hours out of my week to go have coffee with somebody and teach them the Bible. you kidding me? I don't have time for that. Of course you don't. Because you're not a disciple. But a disciple, they're like, you know what? I've got to raise up. So I, I, you know, I, I see that we got, I, I, I can't just keep this to myself. A disciple will always reproduce more disciples. A convert, they do not care. They've got their salvation. They're good to go. A disciple, they're not content with just their salvation. They want other people to get it. The fourth thing I'm going to say is this, is that A disciple would die for Jesus. And again, every Christian would say, I would die for him. You wouldn't even go to church for him. (laughs) So you're going to die for him? I'm calling your bluff, man. (laughs) That is, that is, that is pretty, that's comedy there. A lot of, I mean, you're saying every Christian that I would ask, Yes, I'm prepared to die for my Lord. I would die for my faith. Baloney. You won't even go to church regularly for it. You would not die for Jesus. When they put the gun to the head, you're going to be the first one to fold like a cheap, cheap paper airplane. You will fold under that pressure fast. No way you would do it. Revelation 12, 11. And again, hey, if this isn't for you, that is fine. I, I am fully aware going into this. I've been studying it and cooking it for nine months, and I have, I'm, I'm not mistaken, not everybody in here is going to receive this. Not everybody in here wants to be a disciple, and I am fully aware of that, okay? And I'm, I, I've come to being okay with that. I wish it wasn't that way, but I'm talking to people this morning that you do want to take it a step further. I'm talking about you do love the Lord enough that you, you would take a bullet for Him. You, you would. You would rather die then displease Jesus. I'm talking to you, and we don't hate anybody else. I'm not saying, you know, the rest of you aren't going to heaven. But, I, but, but listen, those that do want to take and say, I want to be on that level with Jesus. I don't want to be at the back of the, you know, the back of the crowd just looking in. I, I, I want to be Peter, James, and I want to be right there. There are some of you in here that are, that are you've, you're at that spot now where you do want to be that. I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to you. Revelation 12:11. It says, "And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony." I love that. But look at the next thing about this group of people that Revelation is talking about. 
and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. The King James says they love not their lives unto the death. But it, what that, that always confused me. What does that mean? They love not their lives unto the death. Well, here it is. They did not love their own life so much that they were too afraid to die for Jesus. And Jesus said, you got to love me more than your own life if you want to be my disciple. And a lot of people are like, selfish. Why would you say that? You narcissist. What's wrong with you? Because, you know, we, we don't get it. And that's fine. You don't get it. That is fine. But if you truly get this revelation of who Jesus is, you say, man, I hate my life compared to how much I love you. And I'm telling you, I love my life. I am a very happy person. I, I'm, I border, I'm borderline irritating in the morning time. You can ask my wife. I'm very annoying in the morning because I'm so happy. But listen to me. I hate my life compared to how much I love Jesus. I, I, and and I, I can say it. I'm not, I'm not afraid to say it. I would gladly take a bullet. It would be an honor to die for Jesus. I have no problem saying that. Now, I'm, I'm not... I'm not sure that he's called me to do that. I doubt that he has, but I have no problem doing that. So I will say this, that if you are not a thousand percent committed, I just, if you're here, just please at least stay saved enough that you make it in the rapture. Because those that don't make it in the rapture, it'll still be possible to receive uh, forgiveness and Jesus after the rapture takes place. They can prove that very clearly. But chances are you're going to have to die for it afterwards. And if you're not strong enough to stay committed to Jesus right now, it is highly doubtful that you'll stand up for him during the seven years of tribulation. I highly doubt it. So I say the best thing is at least stay committed enough right now to not completely wander off. And you can't, you know, I mean, I'm okay to keep going back to it. but can't keep your pants on. You can't keep it, you know, can't quit sipping that stuff. Can't quit. Listen to me. It's not worth it. That five minutes of feeling good right now is not worth a billion years of not being with Jesus. Not not at all worth it. Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, just cut it off. I'd rather go to heaven one-handed and go to hell with both of them. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, just gouge it out, man. I'd rather go to go to heaven with a patch over one eye. You know, be patched the pirate or whatever, then go to hell with two good eyes. Come on. Jesus was hardcore in what he said. And so some of the people that I respect the most, and I, I'm getting somewhere. We are getting there, I promise. I know, you're, you know, you want Jenny's. They've got the chili riano cooking right now. Popeye's, they, they just put those thighs down in the fryer. I get it. And I'm going. I will be there. But listen to me. I want you to get what I'm saying before I close this out. A disciple would die for Jesus. And some of the people I respect most in this world are a group called the Coptic Christians. And in fact, I, we had the honor of meeting one, my parents and I, down in San Diego just in July. I never met a Coptic Christian. But Coptic Christians are a very small minority of Christians in the Middle East. And they, they, all, they trace their roots back to Mark that wrote the Gospel of Mark. He traveled to Alexandria Egypt, and he ended up dying there. They drug his body through the streets in front of everybody and murdered him. But he started a group. He 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 started a, a, a segment of Christianity in Egypt, 
And they're still there 2000 years, the exact same. They've passed it down for 2000 years because John didn't get them or excuse me, Mark didn't get them to repeat a prayer. He got them to become disciples and they've discipled their children for 2000 years now. And there are still Coptic Christians alive in 2018. And, and I just met one. It was awesome. And, and it was, it was incredible. But the Coptic Christians, they, they, they're disciples. They will straight up die for their faith. And I don't believe most of us are to the level that these guys are. But on May 26, 2017, 29 Coptic Christians, they're, they're, most of them are Egyptian, they, they loaded into this bus to go visit some ancient Christian sites in Upper Egypt. 29. The bus on the way there was ambushed by ISIS. Three groups of ten terrorists each got onto each bus and with knives and everything else put guns to their head and say, you got a free ticket out of here right now. I will let you off this bus if you just tell me right now that this whole Jesus thing is fake. You renounce him. And you say that, you know, Mahalit or whatever is the true God. I will let you walk right now. Twenty nine said not a chance in this world. And they took it. Why? They were disciples. I mean, most of the weak, spineless, you know, converts that I know, they say, fine, fine. Just let me go. Jeez, I got to get fine. Yeah, whatever you want. I'll say it. But a disciple, they, they will not. They will not turn their back. And I, I've, I've got a few pictures of the Coptic Christians here just from uh, recent memory. Jose, these are some of them just, I think, 2016. These guys, you're looking at guys right here. They have their last chance to turn their back on Jesus and their lives would be spared. They say, no, I'd rather lose my head than give up on Jesus. These aren't people that, you know, they weren't in it for the money. They weren't in it because, oh, man, there's... Do you realize how much those three guys would love to be sitting? I mean, they're, they've lost their lives now. But here we are. Man, the ACs have been hot at church this summer. I don't think I want to go tonight. AC? you kidding me? Man, the music's too loud. The music's not loud enough. They don't do my stuff. Uh, I'm not getting fed. Yeah, I mean, just all the dumb stuff that we say. I've, they preach on that. I heard that. I've already heard that one. Give me something new. I, I want something new. Come on, man. We're trying to give you everything we got all the time. Seriously. But listen to me. Do you think those three guys would love to take your place right now? The excuses we make and then we want to say, I would die for my faith. Bull owning. Calling the bluff. You would not. Would not. And here's this picture of, and I don't mean to be graphic, we got children in here, but here's after the bus attack. They had a chance, they didn't have to be laying there, they could have walked off. They said, no, I'd rather die, kill me, but I will not, I will not give up on Jesus. And here's, here's, here's the funeral for those 29 people. This is how they ended up. But listen to me. One of the bishops of the Coptic Orthodox Church issued a statement directly to the terrorists. He said, you are loved. The violent and deadly crimes you perpetuate are abhorrent and detestable, but you are loved. You are loved by me and millions like me because I and we believe in transformation. There is hope for you.
But you don't. But most of us that say we're disciples, if someone doesn't agree with our politics, we'd rather go online and they didn't vote for the same guy. I'm going to go call them names online. I'm going to. Un- but you're a disciple. No, you're not. One of the one of the young men that died, his name was Beshoy Adley. His I've got a picture of his little sister. I didn't put it up there. His little sister is like an eight year old girl. Here's what she had to say in her statement to ISIS. If I see anyone from ISIS, I want to give them a hug. They are the reason my brother is already in heaven. Now, obviously, we know it's because they received Jesus, but. How many of us would have that attitude? Converts, followers, people that are, me and God are cool. Me and God, we're cool. We got it. People say stupid things like that. You wouldn't say something like that. No. But here we have even a little girl that was willing to say, you know what? My brother's in heaven now. I'm not mad. I'm going to see him again someday. That's hardcore. I wish we had people like that. Eleven out of Jesus' twelve disciples were murdered for their faith. Most of them were crucified. Eleven out of the twelve. John the Apostle is the only one that died of natural causes. And he lived to be an old man into his nineties. But the other eleven, they ended up dying for it. And everybody, you know, there's always, hey, just say the word and we'll let you go. You know what we want you to say. Say it and we'll let you out of here. But no. And Peter, and you maybe you've heard this, Peter They're going to crucify him. I think it's around 64 AD. Peter, he said, you know what? Yeah, I I, I want you to kill me. That's fine. Kill me. But but don't do it. I'm not worthy to die like Jesus did. They hung him upside down on that cross and killed him. Because he's like, I'm not even worthy to be killed the way that Jesus was. That's the attitude of a disciple. And I'm not trying to put a downer on us today. And I don't believe everyone here is, you know, going to have to die for their faith. Probably none of us will. But I wish we were willing to. I wish we were willing to stand up when people were making fun of Jesus. I wish we were willing to stand up when people were polluting our children's minds. I wish we were willing to stand up when somebody that says, I'm a Christian, and then goes out and, and does things that the Bible clearly says. I wish we could stand up to that. At least stand up for that much. And the truth is this, we are a church that believes that we are redeemed from sickness, poverty, everything under the curse. Can I get an amen? We are redeemed from the curse of the law. But the New Testament does not tell us we're redeemed from persecution. In fact, it tells us, well, 2 Timothy 3.12. It tells you if, you, if you're a disciple, if you're living godly, you are to expect some persecution. It says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. What does that mean? Does that mean you're going to face down ISIS? I don't know. But it does mean, and I know a lot of people, hey, that's funny. I never suffer any persecution. Connect the dots there, genius. It's probably because you're not living a godly life in Christ Jesus. Why do they need to persecute you? You're doing the same stuff they are. Any, I mean, if you're really, if you're really going to live a god, if you're really going to be a disciple, Expect persecution because you will rub people the wrong way every day from here on out until you go to heaven. Why? You will tick off the devil that's within the carnal, unsaved world and you will tick off converted 
Christians that aren't really disciples. Uh, because when, when you're on fire for God, you make lukewarm people really upset, angry. Why is he raising? Why is she dancing? Why, why is she doing that? Well, who she thinks she is? She thinks she's forgiven by the blood of Jesus, man. She's dancing. Yeah, she's happy. She's excited. She wants to lay it all down there for the Lord. But listen to me. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And I'm not afraid. I'm willing, man. I am totally willing to suffer persecution for Jesus because he suffered big time for me. He straight up. Not only did he die, we, we all get it. He went. He descended into hell for you. I can't imagine that. It's, it's enough to just die for someone knowing, well, I'm going to go to heaven anyway, so let's do this. But Jesus, he didn't go straight up to heaven. He went down to hell for three days. Three days in hell? I don't even want to imagine what that's like. But listen to me. Yes. I don't know everything that it means to be a disciple. I don't know what all it, it totally costs. But all I can say is, I want in on it. I, I want to be one of those. However few the, of a group that is. I want in on that. I want to be a disciple, even if it costs me. Even even if it's not all roses, I want to be a disciple for Jesus. I want to be someone he can count on. And then at the end, hear him say, man, you did it. You did what I told you to do. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in here, enter into the joy of the Lord. Let's do this. Amen. So we are going to be studying this for a couple of weeks. And I've got a major announcement to make probably next Sunday about how we can get you to be a disciple. Yeah. Okay, but I'm not going to tell it this week. We have definitely gone much later than we hardly ever go on a Sunday. Please stand up. But I hope you don't mind today. I hope you don't mind. Because if you're a disciple, you weren't looking at the clock anyway, right? You don't care. You don't care. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 